breaking news overnight on another coronavirus vaccine candidate. The most recent testing shows AstraZeneca's vaccine developed at England's Oxford University works well, is safe, and is highly effective for older patients. Charlie Daggett has a story. It's peer-reviewed evidence that the Oxford vaccine not only triggers the robust immune response they'd hoped for, but packs a punch where it's needed most on older adults. In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. What? A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. Yeah. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. It's uh, November the 18th, is that correct? Indeed it is. We're doing a hosts-only episode now, which means we have no specific guest. We try to do this from time to time just to kind of collect ourselves. Yeah. And it seems like we all need collecting. <laughs> it's right it's kind of like a it's nice like, little yeah. therapy session. <laughs> yeah, because it's like I can be fine one minute and then the next minute it's like, no, I need some collecting again. And uh, so now we're going to gather and I need and collecting. And we should have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we hope everybody else cares what we have to say. Well, yeah, just that people would listen and go and just identify with that feeling maybe and, and see us kind of, you know, hoping for this. It allows the audience to be like our non-anxious presence. Like, yeah right well, right we get to say whatever we want and they're they're really good at just listening and nodding their heads right and maybe or they're anxious or uh -oh. they're anxious. and they're hoping that like our conversation here will really help which it might so they're like silent therapists this is what i'm saying yeah. so thank slightly more invested though so thank yeah. so so thank you those who are listening <laughs> yes. for being listening to us while we lay on the couch Yes. Yes. Is that what you're saying? That's really awesome. Thank you. Uh, so we are November 18th, as I mentioned. We're going to have this host-only episode where we kind of talk about um, the turn that is coming or has come recently in the current cultural context in which we live. Uh, that is to do with COVID-19. So um, the concept that there looks like there's some vaccines coming and that there's some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, we still face an enormous amount of... Uh, struggle, uncertainty, pain, loss, and, and even loss of life in, in days and weeks and months ahead. So uh, we thought we'd kind of just gather ourselves and, and, and uh, have some conversation, including some fun conversation, I would hope, uh, about what comes next. Because it was March 17th. Am I correct in saying that? That is correct. No, it was March 16th. No, oh, sorry. Not Thank correct. You, Not <laughs> correct. Do I, wow. do I believe you? Just wow. jump into support and I, I think slap I'm, that down. I think I'm right. But uh, I think Amanda has Allison the deciding is, vote. I think Allison's usually right. We're two one. Amanda's and why don't, don't know, people go back so and they Amanda can abstains. Listen. It is the seventeenth. It is the seventeenth. We'll I agree with, with Allison. That's how you decide. Yes. Oh, you let like the a, record show. You're like a. <laughs> you're like one of those vote tally people in Detroit. Oh. That was a two-two tie, and they were gonna anyway. Oh, uh, so how do I feel about that, yeah, Allison. Allison, Allison, and Amanda, unfortunately, are correct. Ken it switches was, teams. There we go. It was yeah. Well, now it's unanimous because I'm gonna switch March, teams too. March 16th. <laughs> Everyone, I okay, looked it up on my so phone. So this was a good use of time. So on on <laughs> therapy's uh, working March, great, guys. On March 16th, Dick. we gathered out at a vineyard um, in Langley and talked about Township Seven. The yeah, Township Seven. The lockdown had. Just, just started or was just as we were driving out we heard trudeau on the radio and we're like huh 
Well, that's interesting. And we pontificated about what was next and Indeed what would be happening. And maybe they'll have to close the schools. And what could, now we are, however many months oh, later, the blissful months, ignorance, like so later. many. And uh, and now it seems like the turn has come. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to welcome. So Allison's here. Amanda's As you've here. Already deduced, Ken's probably. Here, and I'm here. <laughs> um, and that's it. There's four of us, which yep. is great. Uh, so Ken, our cupboard master, is here. We each have a bottle to ourselves. We do today. We thought uh, we thought we would um, review some of the things we've done uh, in terms of drinking on the show uh, and tasting and sampling. <laughs> and I just asked everyone if you would pick your favorite out of the rector's cupboard. So I opened, I took my key out, opened the cupboard nice and wide, and allowed everyone to choose their uh, favorite. And so I'm going to first ask Allison. What did you choose and why? Um, I chose the uh, barrel-aged Aquavit from Deep Cove Distillers. Excellent. Um, we first tasted it with Richard Topping out of VST. Correct. Uh, I'm now a student there, so it felt very appropriate to go back Excellent. to that. Uh, but also, we cracked into it after our David Goa recording because we just needed more we needed after more. that. Yeah. Um, it was great. So I have fond memories related to the Aquavit. Excellent. Does it taste just as good now? I'll, I'll try it and let okay. you know. And Todd, what did you choose and why? I chose the, I don't know exactly how to say this, Cardew Scotch. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> and we had that with um, uh, Brenda Lee Sasaki. We did. That so it was wasn't great. that long ago. Um, and then we also had it after the Randy Hine episode because we tasted donuts with him and he seemed really disappointed. He wanted some during, <laughs> yeah. So, so we dipped into it for that. Um, and I generally like the the PD scotches uh, and I don't know, just taste. Um, and so when, and I don't know scotch super well. So when I find a scotch or can you found this one and said it was good, um, that is not as PD, but that has the other things going on. Um, and, and that's why I liked it. And so Excellent. that's why I chose it. And it's Excellent. Fantastic. Now, Amanda, I see you have something which we've tasted, but we <laughs> haven't talked about yet on an episode no. because it's preview. This is like after. a spoiler alert. <laughs> this is a spoiler alert. That's correct. So what did you choose and why? Uh, I chose a 12 year Appleton, um, which we tasted with David Goa. Which has not been released yet. So a couple weeks breaking from now. news. Shh, yeah. I'm letting I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But and David Goa is joining us again. Teaser there. Um, we just recently recorded it. It's an excellent episode. And Appleton is so what type of uh, and it alcohol? Is a delicious rum. A rum. And, and I also chose it just because I enjoy rum. You're a, a rum good fan. rum. To be clear, a good rum. rum. Yeah. <laughs> not Malibu. And teaser. What do you call it? Teaser alert? Sure. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I told you the scotch is good. You, but I caught that mistake. Not that good. Spoiler alert. It is an alert. unreleased episode. Let me tease you with a spoiler alert. Oh it doesn't matter. Oh. Okay, just continue. The, uh, the David Go ahead said he'd never had rum. Rum before. No. Which no, I find not. very difficult to believe yeah yeah but i uh, i generally think that david goa is a truthful person so i do believe I, him i it's would just, agree with that statement yeah. but i mean rum yeah he liked who knew it. it's a pretty standard it's a drink rum. i, I feel drink. good that we were able to introduce okay. him to something that he hadn't tried before and it turns out that he liked it so he i did. think that was mm -hmm. a win uh for all of us i've chosen uh lamoncello uh, from Woods Distillery here in North Woods. Vancouver. Classic. Uh, and Classic. we, I think, tried the Lemoncello uh, on an episode. Carolyn Aarons. Oh, it was the Carolyn yes. Aarons. That's right. So it was one of our early Ooh, episodes. Oh, you're digging back into the archives. It is. So, And I chose it just because I really like Lemoncello. I haven't had it yet uh, this year. It it's is. happy. It's a happy color, a nice 
bright yellow. It's kind of a wintry thing for me. So that's why I chose it. I, I think it's delicious. I actually was a little jealous. There was there was a bit, a bit of a there was a bit of tug of war between Allison and I over. I would highly space, recommend. We're spaced so far apart because of COVID and distancing here that I can't just reach and grab. No, like no. you got to just stay with what we've got. No, we have to clutch our. You bottles all, you can't. No, share. I like nice clutch. So anyway, so that's our conversation about Rector's cupboard. What are we <laughs> talking about today, so Todd? So I wanted to start by so as I say, we're we're talking about kind of this like checking in all these months into this time in which we're living. And I thought it might be interesting to start with a fun exercise uh, around the idea of what, what is what does it mean when you know your living history? So something mm. that, you know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, people will be talking about. I, you know, it might just be trying to recall the memory, but I can't think of anything in my life now other than this. Mm. I felt this way around 9-11. Oh, 9-11 would be true. Thank you. 9-11 was the only other time in my life that I felt But that like was that. really like we were alive when that happened. Yeah. Well, as I opposed to this, where this is happening to all of us to some degree. Yeah. And I think yeah. that was the difference. I thought of 9-11 too, and then thought, well, except, I mean, if you were living in New York City, it's very a different, different experience. But for us, we were, we were observing it from the outside. We were living through it, but we were yeah. observing it from the outside. This we're actually living through. And as I've mentioned to people, it's the first time in history I've thought of people actually uh, that I'm aware of. I can't think of where every single person on the planet, regardless of race, culture, where you live, financial background, anything, you're actually being affected by this. Even yeah. even the world wars We're really only affected people degree. in Europe. I mean, Canada sent troops, but the attack, the war wasn't here. The last yeah. pandemic, it, it covered the world for sure and killed a lot of people, but because of lack of media you weren't necessarily as aware that people in well in and, and lack New of, in, and, and lack and of and people didn't fly as much like, and yeah, right. yeah. it was so harder to we get just from. were unaware yeah. of how much it was impact. so it's it's affecting everyone there's a there's a collectiveness to this yeah so let me try this i want you to do an imaginative exercise and imagine yourself as a grandparent or a great-grandparent, okay? So your 12-year-old grandchild or Some of us are closer to this than others. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can think of this. Uh, comes to you and says, you know, granny or grandpa or whatever, nana, papa, you, you were alive in 2020 during the pandemic, and I'm doing a little school project, if there's mm-hmm. whatever that means. I think it'll still be like the poster if board. If there's schools. It'll still be poster board. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, and uh, can I take a picture of you? Do you have any pictures of when, you know, in 2020? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Um, and, and they say to you, what was it like to be alive during the pandemic? Tell me what you'll say to them. I mean, and, and now you're anticipating, because you have to also anticipate what will change between now and then. So what was it like to be alive during the pandemic of 2020? I mean, I think the fact that explaining to them that we washed our groceries might be interesting. That they're like, oh, you brought them. In. <laughs> That's interesting like, to me. That's interesting to me. You <laughs> wash your groceries. I, I did for a period. I, I, I'm not right now, but there there was this a is time. This a one out of four. I think. <laughs> well, I'll admit that I did it for a very short uh, period yeah. of time, okay, and, then, and I'm ashamed to admit <laughs> that I just got bored of doing it and stopped. Not because the doctor said you don't need to do this, but I was like, this is just too tedious. I'm out. Um, so things things like that. Uh, I I think. <laughs> Trying to explain 
how how we got our three-year-old to to not touch anybody particularly right at the very beginning uh, yeah like we, we we had what was called stay away day it just lasted for a really long time <laughs> so i'll explain that to my son's children I what was stay away day mommy or granny um the one that day. that i think is interesting is the contact tracing apps that they're creating so here mm-hmm. in bc it's have not you guys used active. any of them i have i've got both the bc app and the canada app um and what's supposed to happen they're is not that working yet correct yeah. But what should happen is with Bluetooth, if you come near someone who has self-identified within the app of having been tested positive oh, okay. for COVID, then you should get a notification that you've been in the vicinity. Yeah, and of they're somebody. using these all over the world, like South mm-hmm. Korea and places. That, yeah. So that strikes me as something that probably will be a story. Right. Um, I think I'll tell the young student, whoever that may be, <laughs> the um, wee whippersnapper. That yeah. That first of all, I'll make some stuff up. <laughs> that's on brand like, wow you know. let me mess up your history project your just, teacher gets this what but but i think for some i'll also tell about the stickers on the floor mm. you know like mm. stand here like you like and how quickly people adapted to stand here waiting outside with huge spaces between right mm-hmm. but uh what else ken i i think for me a couple of things that popped in mind one is the the masks like just the people actually wore masks. I mean, maybe that's going to be something in the future, you know, 20 years from now when I have grandchildren or whatever. Uh, maybe that'll be true. But the masks, um, I think to the not, you know, you wouldn't be able to come to visit me. Right. The, mm-hmm. the not being able to visit Right, because it'll be at home that you're grandpa, doing this. Because yeah. I'm going to be living You're just at, assuming I'm gonna be, kids going I'm gonna into be a living home. at my care home I've been working at for the last 15 years. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a discount. There. Transitions okay. into a staff, room. Staff discount. <laughs> <laughs> Work part-time, live full-time. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is um, the the social isolation that, that came as a result of of it for so many people mm. um, is another thing. So yeah, those would be the two things, the masks and the social isolation, I think really uh, stick out. Yeah. It, it is interesting when you look back at the photos of 1918, uh, what one of the things that's interesting to me is the similarity. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We're supposedly How, so much more sophisticated. <laughs> we haven't come that far in a hundred years. The most effective treatments we have are the same. Wash your hands. Ones stay as away. Last, as last now they time. didn't ever have a vaccine. Is that No, correct? it, just went away. So a few years. And they did do masks. They just yeah. had beaks. Well, not so, all. You know, oh, our masks way back have evolved. Day, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The, and we, now they're thinking that in the, United, in the United States, there's a possibility that even with the vaccines coming later, that they may face more deaths than than during the 18, 1918 pandemic, which is apparent. I, I think I've got my numbers yeah. right, around 600,000 or something. And they're getting close to 300,000. Well, now. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I mean, firstly... I think that there's more population yeah, and more, more and density. Population. Yeah. density but yeah. you also have the the travel um so people go and they carry it with them i also don't think that and, and i i don't know about this this is purely assumption i don't think that in 1918 masks were as politicized as they yeah, are now the politi- so you have a lot of people issue. who aren't I, taking you know, i actually have read some articles have have they? that yeah. they were okay i am totally okay i've and seen it, things saying yeah and there were there were reports of cities that kind of in the middle of it declared that it was over even uh, though Philadelphia it was not that. wow that's eerie and there were parties in the streets and then of course there's a resurgence of the disease and so there is a little bit of i don't know that it was attached history. as much to the polarization of politics Right. It seemed right. from what, what we're I seeing But there was still this push against yeah. wearing masks or doing the things that you need to do in order to stop the spread. It, it, it's interesting also to me how 
quickly we forget history or especially history that we we don't know or we didn't live even if we learn it that mm-hmm. like you were mentioning talking to your father-in-law about um, the second narrows bridge so yeah. around here one of the main bridges that well tell us this story well he was saying that like they his family has been on the north shore since the 50s i think actually late 40s um and his father-in-law worked or sorry his dad worked at the port and he was on his coffee break when the iron workers memorial bridge crashed when they were when it fell when they it. were building it it wasn't mm-hmm. called the no memorial that was bridge at that point. yes second the second narrows. narrows the second narrows there was a there's <laughs> part of the span that, that fell and a lot of people number of people died yeah mm-hmm. no and people that that he knew that were in his community that were working on it um and he also talked about because I, I asked him what kind of the biggest things historically around here and he talked about the highway one the, the upper levels highway yeah. going in uh the 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 thing that he seemed most happy about with that is the neighborhood bully's house got relocated, so <laughs> he got to have some to uh, bully other people. I, I suppose so, but it it helped Murray out. I th- I think that's what like you're pointing to one of the things that's in my mind, and it's almost I guess you'd say a prayerful thing, or what's our responsibility, or what does it mean in a in a kind of uh, sentimental, even sorrowful way to carry the memory of. Mm difficulty mm-hmm. so there are people who would when they drive over the second narrows bridge that would be a com- not maybe not every time they drive over but they would think of that a lot if they lived at yeah. that time they would think well and th- there's part where like history has has location um and i've experienced very physical visceral responses to things like that um i've i've had at the the hospital that i had my surgeries in i still get nauseated if when i drive by, by it um, but also, uh, four years ago, almost to the day, four years ago, we, we went to Belgium and visited, um, a bunch of sites that my husband's, uh, grandfather had been at when he was fighting in world war II, where he had lost his legs. We, we went to the exact spot and there, there is, there's almost like there, there's a, there's a memory in the land mm. and, and I've never experienced remembrance day the same since it, it, it changed me that's what does what's that cultural memory going to mean you know in our time for us through this there's always that how much longer is this going to go on what's the cost that we haven't yeah. seen yet going to be um ken and i in working in in churches and pastoring and stuff in the years that we did uh there's a concept a spiritual concept it comes from a book and then it's it's in various different places, but that many listeners would be familiar with called Dark Night of the Soul, mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, sp- spoken about centuries ago. It, 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 there would be common traits to what we understand as depression, but this is a little more spiritual take on it, kind of the sense yeah. that you're existentially alone. You're you, If you cry out to God, it's just it's going nowhere. Whether there's a God or not, in a sense, doesn't really matter because you're not heard or considered. And, so, uh, and, and the idea would be that often it's people who are relatively spiritually progressed right. that can face a dark night of the soul. And that, and the question is like, um, is it something that most people who are, who are growing spiritually face? And then one of the things that Ken and I, I know you and I have spoken about this is you could work with people who had been through something like that. And we would introduce this concept. Some of them knew it already, but we would say, you know, you're in maybe two years or something. Somebody's going through a real time that's just like having trouble feeling something or having, and of course, then you're dealing with is there a medical way to consider what's going on or there, but that spiritually there could be a time when 
they're reaching a time where they're toward the end of that desert time, you know, and that desert has been sparse and difficult and painful and there's been loss and whatever else, but that it's difficult for some people to move out of the desert into mm. what's next, even if they know it's better, even if it's like the promised land. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that in general and maybe in relation to where we're at now? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> I think we're beginning to see a, a sense of that where we're, 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 we're at with COVID is um, there's a potential solution around the corner with, with vaccines and stuff. But I think there's a, I mean, I think there's a sense of optimism, but it's a very, very cautious. Yeah. Almost like we're trying not to get ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. too excited, is, too worked yeah. up, too hopeful um, because we still don't know what's on the other side of that. We know it'll be better, but there could be other problems. And I think that's one of the challenges coming out with the coming out of the dark night of the soul is you've had this spiritual awareness and awakening um, that it's okay that God. There's actually love in the place where God doesn't hear you. That's, where you don't that, feel it, and you don't feel it rather, and that's actually okay. That's actually a very secure place to be. Uh, but on the other side of that, there's still there's still going to be dark moments. There's still going to be difficulty. It, it may look different. I think that's somewhat where we are with COVID is even if there's a vaccine, we know there could be complications from it. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. there's a vulnerability you face when, when you are entering a time that is by all description better than, than, uh, than what you've lived uh, through, whether it's this kind of cultural, you know, pandemic that's happened, not cultural, but this pandemic in our culture that's happened in our world. Um, and so, because I, I, the reason I'm bringing it up is I've sensed a kind of melancholy. Yeah, I think that um, I, I actually I re-listened to our our episode from from March 16th, um, and there there was kind of this this attitude almost of okay, well, this is going to be bad. We we said it could be a few months, yeah. like that's what I got to clear my calendar for a few months, and but we kind of had this this um collective feeling of okay let's put our head down we're gonna help each other we're gonna get through this we're gonna and and there was almost an optimism in that and i think that there's a fatigue that's happened Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of people who are like this isn't a few weeks this isn't a few months we're nine months into this now and realistically looking at how complex distributing vaccines are and whether you're going to get like buy-in from people actually wanting to get the vaccine we're still looking at another year mm-hmm. well and i think the other thing that's difficult right now in this moment is of course the vaccine is hopeful yeah but numbers are still going up they are hospitals uh, quickly are yeah. becoming overwhelmed which is all the things that we didn't want to have happen you know and we tried to it, avoid it, early yeah. on and so it it makes it harder to look on the other side of this when we're very much still in the midst of it yeah it feels like we're getting the best news mm-hmm. at the same time we're getting the mm-hmm. worst Versus. news yeah yeah. And that's hard for kind the, of the human spirit. Yeah, and, there, and there's a tension in that, that you go, okay, so maybe maybe the vaccine will help me, but I don't know, it, is my parent going to get this before that and die from it? Or like, it doesn't mean because there's a vaccine that people are not going to face great personal costs still before this wraps up. Are there words that you'll be glad you won't have to use anymore when this is done? Oh. Social distance. Is, is that the one that everybody says? Is that... Um, well, it certainly wasn't something that was part of my vocabulary before this. Or, 
I don't know. It's a terrible just, term, social it, distancing. It is. Should, physical distancing is better. Yes. But we seem to have held That's on the one that everybody distancing. can't stand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm so. I'm not going to So miss you that. were saying that it's... Uh, there's just there's words that I would have been quite happy to live my life without knowing them at this point or having them just part of everyday conversation or when you hit the news, that's the thing that we're talking about. And um, The word pandemic, I could, I could do without hearing that word again global pandemic like if i if i go the rest of my life and not have to hear that word again I'll just read it in a history yeah. book just read it in a history <laughs> book i don't need to the uh, at the hospital today we had um uh so one of my units that i work on is now completely covid so i'm not allowed on that unit anymore so it went from being a normal number of whatever 20 beds to now that i could go on now i can't because it's expanding uh-huh. but we had a family who was trying to come in to visit and uh, a loved one and we had a like different nurses were coming up trying to explain to them like, no, it's, it's only one person. Only one person can come in to visit. And, well, we have a big family. I know, but the rule is only one person for two hours can visit. You can take a phone and you can, but they want to see everyone. And, and it was just almost, it was really hard. And then the nurses afterwards just went, I hate this part yeah, of it. No. I hate oh, it. oh, yeah. I it's mean, no, of none of the nurses, I mean, to speak up in defense of nurses, they they're not wanting to enforce these rules. Like there, there may be the occasional nurse who, who for some reason chooses nursing for, for money, but I don't think they get paid enough for what they have to go through. Um, but most nurses, like they genuinely just, they want to care for patients. They want to help families deal with the difficulty of having a sick or injured family member. And, and they can't do that. Mostly there's gotta be so much frustration amongst the whole entire medical field of just just feeling like there's so much that they can't do right now. Yeah, I've seen it in talking to well, it's got to be exhausting. In, yeah, in circumstance working in hospital, Allison, you do too. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was telling you guys this that uh, last night, and she just seemed she's high up at at the hospital locally, and she just seemed spent, like tired. But what seemed most disappointing to her, and I listened to some of the clips from when we spoke a number of months ago as it it was just starting and it's hard for me to say things like this but i'm if i'm disappointed in anything it's actually at how like early on another thing is like we're all in this we're all in this together um it doesn't i thought we'd be all in this together a little bit better than it's turned out have you i mean we had this article from the washington post about this um this this county health director, she's a nurse in in uh, Missouri, and it's a really really hard article to read mm-hmm. because she's just like you're saying, Allison. She's just trying to do her job. It has to do with public health. She's getting threats. People are taking pictures of her kids in the park. People took saying a they're of her watching her without her mask. Like- One time, she was in the park, distanced from everybody, and they were like, you know, put it on social media, and she's hypocritical, and she's a communist, and she's whatever. And so she's wound up quitting her job and going finding another nursing job that, you know, she still wants to be feeling she's making a difference, but she's just too tired of all this. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a couple things in there. What one is that. Um, she talks about like at this meeting, right? You guys saw a hundred yeah, like community up meeting. meeting. And it was doctors and nurses giving their time to say, okay, here's what we need to do as a community and here's what we And they were all shouted down. Yeah, they're booed off the stage. Yeah, and the very first person coming in when they said, you need to wear a mask, and he just turned around, not even kind of politely like, oh, no, thank you, just straight up, no. Yeah. 
I, I go well, to at least well, social distance. I go to this church. Yeah, I come into oh, this very building. Oh, because a church meets in this building, and, and we, don't we don't wear them. Oh, yeah. That's devastating and, for like, me. And at least social distance. No, we don't. No, he refused to. Actually, he says, "Hell no, I won't." Is yeah. what it's quoted in the mm-hmm. article, and it's, um, it's just it's it's disheartening. Um, she, yeah, and she, she talks about how they the the board put in a, a mask mandate, and they actually found out that um, there was six percent less mask wearing after the mandate. So people basically went, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna tell me what to do, right? That that's that's how they kind of reacted. And uh, yeah, well then she yeah she said the board went ahead with a mask mandate and it went and it went down. And that was from that same meeting. One of the things that struck me in the article because it, it just you feel the emotion as she was witnessing this, people shouting down their doctors and stuff. She was taking notes for them, and she said, "I, I saw that my hands were shaking." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you think of people who, and it's not just nurses who I would say are on the front line. Like we've we've learned through this who essential workers are: grocery store workers, um, bus drivers, teachers, retail people, people who, retail. yeah, yeah. <coughs> and. But as, as a frontline person, you think of the personal risk that, that they're taking. Nursing is a difficult profession to begin with. It, it's hard. My, my, my mother-in-law is a nurse, and the, the kind of the, the physical and the verbal abuse that she'll take from patients, m- most of them with, with um, compromised mental health or dementia, or, but not all. But like that's on a regular basis, and that's not necessarily even from from families and stuff. And they've she's had pushback where she's had to try to tell people, no, I'm sorry, you can't go in and visit right now. Like we can't do that. And there's there's a lot of like vitriol. I don't know how else to say it. That's yeah. like spewed. The thing that's so difficult to reconcile is it's it was only a couple of months ago that people were coming out at yeah. seven o'clock and banging on pots and pans and thanking doctors and nurses. I don't and know if they were doing that in. In Missouri, perhaps not, but there is an attitude shift that's yeah. happened. Do you think I, that I that's think linked in with like this fatigue of, I, I think just so. want this to be over? I think so. I really I, do. I think there's, there's a big sense of fatigue. I think there's still a sense that, you know, it's, it's only, you know, whatever, 700 cases today. We have a province of 5 million and it's only seven. So I think there's a sense of... You know, yeah, this is serious, this but it's is not a no big deal. People well, not it's no big deal, but it's it's you know, there's there's a lot of other consequences to what we're doing. I, I think that's part of it. Like there's the mental health consequences. So is it worth it to be doing all these things uh, um, because of the mental health consequences that people are facing and stuff like that? So I think there's there's an exhaustion. I think people are looking for for a bit for excuses or whatever to get around it but i think the mental health one is a huge one the the isolation especially it's in it's a hard is huge i definitely yeah. see that and i've seen some of the impact of that in my own like family circles but um what's disheartening to me is how quickly this became a, a political divide mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. And I say it with some kind of sympathy that people if they if they identified themselves as on one side of that political divide many of them quickly rushed to being anti-mask and anti-whatever mm-hmm. because that's what their side did. And I, I yep. say that not with judgment on those people, but kind of a, a sense of, like, I, I, it makes sense in a way to make that move, but it's such it's such failed leadership. I was going to say, I blame that. that on leadership. Yeah. Um, it probably, there probably would have been pushback no matter what. But when the leadership that you're looking towards 
actually supports that or endorses this idea of pushing back, then you're going to see more people we, to buy into it. But we've seen that around the world. I mean, you, you look at pictures of, of Germany and France and Italy where the leadership has said, you know, you should wear masks. And it's not quite as politically extreme, but people are moving to that extreme of, of having, you know, mask uh, protests and stuff yeah, like you that. See it everywhere. In, yep. in, in other countries I think as well. Maybe not as, as it's a bit different. I don't think it's south a, of the border. a little more fringe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, that what I think is disheartening to me and disappointing is I probably had two. I don't want to change it. I, I still have a hopeful view of people. I think people are, you know, good to each other a lot. Um, but this has been a, a challenge to that because I ask myself, like when I read about the, you know, the kind of things this woman experienced, like why don't people want to do things just for the common good? Like knowing now my proviso to that is, they're holding a worldview that says that they are. We're right. the ones mm -hmm. supporting opening up and not having these businesses closed or not. But I think it's, I still am kind of going, well, just just wear that mask because we know it's for the common mm -hmm. good. And individual rights are no big, awesome victory. You know, do this because you don't want to. And you might even think it's not their, you know, best thing to do but you do it because the common good has decided that that's and and i think that's the disappointing part it's to hard me. to read those articles as well when i can only speak from my own context here in our own city i can line up at a big box store and wait outside for half an hour and everybody's socially distanced and every single person in line is wearing a mask and i'm yep. not seeing any pushback i have definitely seen and heard people Kind I've of seen a couple, yeah. Go after people, but as a rule, on the whole, it's the exception. The store is filled with people wearing masks, Absolutely. and people are peacefully just lining up and waiting very quietly. And yeah, so, yeah. And that is not, the bigger story, not, right? And yeah. I, I still, I don't, I don't want to be like despairing of these stories. I know they're happening, but again, my own context, what I'm seeing when I go out, that is not what's happening. There is a greater good that is still being displayed. I picture, so you brought us to a grocery store. This is another imaginative exercise. I picture... I always want to imagine about grocery stores. I picture being in our local store. I picture it as city market or Loblaws online. Orange stuff. store. Orange store. Fancy, urban. And uh, I picture just uh, this imaginative exercise where everybody stops shopping, right? And it just freezes. And then it becomes this kind of like a spiritual moment rather than simply transactional. And something happens where what, what each of us are going to do, anybody who's in that store, is we're just going to name something over the last eight months that we've lost. Mm. And nobody's mm. going to feel impatient by some miracle, whatever, right? We're actually going <laughs> to hear another human being. And we're going we're gonna to realize in that moment that everybody's lost something. Mm -hmm. And then you'll hear somebody say something pretty severe, that they lost the, you know, a loved one or whatever or that mm -hmm. and that could we get back to that sense of what it is that brings us together producer rick uh told me a couple of things around these things in the last couple of days um sometimes he can speak in the language of west wing uh, <laughs> uh clips and and scripts and he says he heard one show. lately that toby who i think has covid himself now richard he does Schiff, he's right? actually mm -hmm. hospitalized mm -hmm. right yeah. now that he was thinking of an old episode where Toby was talking about something like this. It wasn't a pandemic, but it was some other thing where there were these ignorant people, you know what I mean? And they were holding back some thing that should help the world and do whatever it is. And Toby had a line where he said, how long do we have to wait for these people? 
Um, and there's something sympathetic in that, I think, mm-hmm. that, that could be, you know. And then Rick um, gave me another, this is, I, a couple of us were here when he was talking about this, and he didn't have it filled out. So my apologies to him for, you know, using the incomplete picture. But he talked about this, again, uh, kind of game where picture it as a small gymnasium or something, and that gymnasium gets filled up with a couple thousand balloons, all different colors or, you know, tons of different colors. And, and everybody, and then the people are going to go, you know, oh, there's yeah, yeah, one yeah. balloon in there that has your name on it. Your first this name, your last name. Facebook, yeah. Has it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's probably where he got it. And then you can, oh, cause I'm saying the Facebook thing. So I'm sorry. But, and if you go in and you're trying to find your own, you, you just can't do it. You'll mm-hmm. never, ever do it. But if you say, just grab a balloon and just start saying the name of that person whose balloon you have, it, the whole thing works pretty quickly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we can't we can't get through this by just taking care of ourselves it's always the other and whoever it is that's closest and i think that the 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 call is and and i remember thinking this at the beginning and, and i stand by it the call is still towards compassion and loving and helping people and i feel like i know for myself personally i feel like my resources are spent like entirely I sometimes it feels like getting out of bed is about all I can muster but I go okay I think our call is still towards compassion and you can do that today today I can right that and I don't know about tomorrow and And then you start over tomorrow yeah it it very much feels like a a a one day thing that's why it's a Mm -hmm. faith thing to in in it's like manna i'm just given enough for today enough for today and also that like though we're disappointed and there's plenty of these stories of these difficulties i have enough faith whatever that might mean for people to to still believe that light is greater than darkness and to actually be able to act mm. upon that today including my interaction maybe with a person who i'm disappointed in yeah that's that's the the greatest challenge. Producer Rick gave me one more thing, and then we can have some closing comments or whatever. Um, and it had to do with um, he said he saw a park range. Oh, this is not from Facebook too, but maybe I'm not on Facebook enough to check these sources. But he said he'd started a park ranger interviewed or something, and I don't know if they were talking directly about something that's going on culturally, like COVID related or whatever. But they wound up talking about um, designing bear-proof garbage cans. Have you heard this one? Yes. You yeah. have? Is it Facebook again? No. Okay. I don't remember where I heard it. So it and the and the park ranger said, "Well, there's one real problem." And and whoever's in, what's that problem? He's like, "The problem is the smartest bear is way smarter than the dumbest tourist." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, right. And so, if we that's have, true. if we invent a garbage can that bears can't open, there's a lot of tourists who are going to be figure it out either. And let's be honest, including. Us sometimes we've all been in circumstances. I think, right? I have. Well, where there's I'm not standing a universal there, design. Course. There's times where I'm like, "Do it," and I'm like, "This is supposed to be easy." There's a release somewhere. And then you sheepishly look around to see if anybody around. else has noticed <laughs> that you can't well, open the garbage can. Well, it's a good thing that can. bears can't read because they generally put the instructions. You're like, "Okay, follow the pictures." Yeah, they can't read, and they still figure it out. And I can read, and I can read <laughs> diagrams, and I'm like, still struggling. <laughs> it's like it's like trying to set, sort recycling at at a store where. I can never figure that out. Yeah, where does this go? Where, where does this lid yeah. go? Where Just look this for the light go? things in the bin. I always, yeah, and then it's, you look in and like every single bin has food and a lid in it. <laughs> um, my question is, because we talked about this when we talked back in March 
what we what do you think the next nine months or six months holds what do you think is going to be different or the same i mean we're we're about to move into christmas yeah. I think we all know it's going to be hard on people. Going to I think be different. I think it's yeah. going to be hard, but I think it's going to be incredibly. I think it's uh, maybe this is just because we've hung up our Christmas lights before the high holy day of Grey Cup, uh, which isn't happening this year. Uh, but I, I've, it seems that more people have put up oh, Christmas definitely. lights early. I think so I put my notes. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is going to be? What, what do you imagine the next six months is going to be like? I think it's going to be continued. Best news and worst news mm-hmm. over and over again. And I don't know what that means for us, but I think. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we're going to see more, more deaths, certainly, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to see more, more strife. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. I think we're still going to hear stories like beautiful, wonderful stories that you, that you hear. Everyone's seen them where you're just like, oh. And it gives you hope for humanity and maybe not all of humanity, but it should be for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I think, I think it's, it's all going to be there. And I think that because there's been resources that have already just been depleted by how long this has been drawn out thus far, that those are going to be experienced in, in very big pendulum swings. Like the highs are going to feel high or, Mm -hmm. and the lows are going to feel devastating. I mean, I, as I read this article in preparation for today's episode, I was nearly crying. It, it just, it, it was so hard. Yeah. There, I think there's going to be more layoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think companies have waited as long as they possibly can <laughs> and hope. I don't know how there and couldn't be. Like, I, it, think, it's, I think there'll be some terminations, right? Yeah. Because you yeah. can only sit in a layoff scenario for or so even, long. Yeah. 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 And, what Allison was saying, I think emotions are so much more heightened, right? The highs are really high and the lows are really low and everything in between is just felt viscerally, right? Yeah. Um, in ways that they wouldn't necessarily be before. I'm but I'm actually, I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. I've admitted that before. Like, I love Christmas. And I got fixated on Christmas, I think in September. And I think Allison was sick of hearing me say it. It's okay, Amanda. Um, I love you. But... One of the things that I'm actually looking forward to is everybody's putting up lights already. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a perfect social distancing thing. Let's just go drive around neighborhoods and look at mm. lights the way I did when I was a kid. And there'll be that many more of them to look at. There, Christmas is going to be hard. There's a Hallmark yeah. movie yeah. list that's being created at my house. Not that we're good. Well, we're already I watching the Hallmark movies. In that. No, but, but coming I up with a list. I couldn't even if I wanted no, no, to. No, 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 no. Coming up with a list of <laughs> like driving around to see Christmas light displays. Yeah. Going mm. like... You know, going oh, like over the titles and of what it, of what they're gonna be having hot chocolate, like someone just pour hot chocolate into your car or into your mug, you know, into and your car. <laughs> into your car. As a social just you just go chocolate. over to someone's house. <laughs> All you do is get hot chocolate. Sprayer. You stay in your car. Um, we're yeah, at my house, they're planning some some activities based on. I I think I'm looking forward to hearing the beautiful stories of Christmas, like people finding ways to celebrate, mm-hmm. to make sure that the the neighbor who they know isn't going to be able to get out to see their family or have family come over, that somehow the people in the neighborhood are are going to notice them in a way that maybe they hadn't before. That's the hope. I, I, right? Yeah. And go over and do something and 
whatever it is. I, I, I'm really hoping we're going to have some beautiful I th- stories. I think of those, one of the things I think that I feel as a, a sorrow is for people and whatever this term means, it, you know, good people, whatever. But like someone who's maybe been a healthcare worker or something who's put themselves on the line and put, and then we're kind of through this. And I, you see this sometimes in narrative things like in movies. I think at the end of Mississippi Burning, there's something like this, like where someone takes their life who wasn't involved in the horrible crimes that were going on and kind of, but what they felt was the pain of the human condition. So I, I'm already kind of thinking and praying for those people who were through it, but they couldn't get over the disappointment in some of these human things. Well, right? and some that of the like, trauma that they endured. Yeah, and so, but I think to end on that light, that Christmas what better time for for stories of light overcoming darkness? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's always hopeful. It's always like prayerful, even for people who don't, prop, you know, well, and in Christmas, pray. the story of Christmas isn't entirely like this easy story. Like that's where I'm that's finding rough. hope this year is it's a hard story. There is a very pregnant woman riding on a donkey to way the hell out there. And there is Caesar Going around killing all the babies. Yeah, an edict to yeah. And you you look at there's so many parts of it that that I go, how much more human is this but story? It's the but it's it's the incarnation. I feel like dawning of light. Like I- incarnation means something different to me this year. And and you look at how the most meaningful way that God interacts with his creation is to become a created mm-hmm. being. That you go there. Christ comes in solidarity and I go, how much better could a message possibly be than that in these times of uncertainty, in these times of pain, intense pain and stress that God is with us. So what does incarnation look like when we are being asked to be socially or physically distant? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. And we, and yet I think, what does it, yeah, what does it look like when distance is what's important and so uh we're gonna do a christmas we are i'm really looking forward to it but in the meantime we will also and that'll just be fun looking at rankin bass christmas shows and various things and hope you know meaningful stuff as well but ken will carry this question i think that's a good question that for allison from what you're saying again it's almost prayerful i want i want to know we're not alone Mm -hmm. and then i am hoping, praying for myself and others that we would be able to see light. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I trust that light. That's not the issue. It's it's the ability to, to see it and uh, and really then a, wor- a word of remembering and prayer for those people who won't be able to see it, at least for mm-hmm. a time. Mm-hmm. Because that melancholy does carry over even the end of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, uh, we will keep um, having... Also joy and good time and opening the cupboard. And mm-hmm. there's all of that to say to your grandchild as well when they ask you about the report. But you know what? Um, we did these things too. And those are the stories that last. And those are the ones that make the poster board at the at the local school, at, at the fair, when they say, my grandpa lived through the pandemic. So bless you all. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you for listening. And mm-hmm. we uh, lift up a toast. Uh, 2020 is... Almost, Almost done. Over. Almost over. Um, Who knows what 2021 We don't know. Bring. It and couldn't we... possibly get worse. Oh. <laughs> Put that music on quick. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
Yeah. <laughs>